Welcome to the First Baptist Cadillac podcast. First Baptist Cadillac is a growing intergenerational family of faith whose mission is to make disciples of Jesus Christ. Join us each week as we engage God's word together. We would love to hear from you. Please contact us at firstbaptistcadillac.org or text WELCOME to 231-261-1112. Today, we continue on in the series, The Fullness of Life, from John chapter 10, verse 10, where it says, I came that they may have life and have it to the full. And one of the essential elements of a full or abundant life is the fruit of the Spirit, found in Galatians 5.22. Let me read it again for us. Galatians 5.22 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And so today we're going to dive deep into this sixth fruit of the Spirit, which is goodness. And before we get to that, would you please join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for baptism, for the beauty, for the significance, for the illustration of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and our connection with him, and then the raising to new life, our connection with Jesus and the resurrection. And so I pray a special blessing upon Derek, upon Lindy, upon their family today, and God, look forward to all that you do have in store for them. Make this a special, memorable, milestone kind of a day for them. And God, I pray for this time that we spend together in your word. May you speak clearly to us about goodness, your goodness. May we appreciate it afresh and anew, and may we hear your spirit's voice about next steps that we need to take in terms of living out what it is in the goodness of God. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so we're going to use that same grid that we've been using with each one of the spiritual gifts. We're going to look at goodness defined, goodness illustrated, commanded, and practiced. And so let's look first of all at goodness defined. It comes from a Greek word, agathos. Agathos, and it, it refers to the character of a person or a thing, its constitution or its essence, its being. It answers the question, what is it like? What is it like? And in the case of Agathos, the character of a person or a thing is pure. It is that which is pure. So one who is characterized by goodness, by agathos, is one who is pure in their very constitution or essence. It's their being. It's what and who they are. Jesus spoke of this kind of goodness in the Sermon on the Mount when he said in Matthew chapter 5 verse 8, he said, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. You see, those who are pure in heart, I believe, are those who are bearing the spiritual fruit of goodness. They are known for their moral and ethical character for hearts which are pure. They are like the tree that Jesus spoke about in Matthew chapter 7, verse 17. He said, so every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. And so again, agathos is referring to the character, 
the essence, the constitution of a person or a thing. And so here, it is in the case of a tree which is being used as a symbol for the hearts of people. All right, so in a, in a nutshell, this is agathos defined. Goodness, it refers to the character of a person or a thing, its constitution, its essence, its being, and specifically, agathos is that which is pure. Next, let's look at goodness illustrated, and this is where it gets very visual for us today. We encounter goodness really in the very first chapter of the Bible. Where? Can you think about that for me? Where is goodness in the very first chapter of the Bible? In the creation. In the creation. Genesis chapter 1, verse 31. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. It was pure, clean, holy, uncorrupted by sin. It was agathos. The creation was of this good character. Why? Well, because the Creator was good. A God of goodness produced a creation of goodness, which is actually the second illustration of Agathos in the Scriptures. God Himself. God Himself. Mark chapter 10, verse 17. There's a very interesting exchange between Jesus and a man known as the rich young ruler. You know that story? And in Mark chapter 7, 10, 17, it says, As Jesus was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And listen to what Jesus says in verse 18. Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. Now, there's a lot really packed into those two verses, but essentially what's happening here is Jesus is going to use logic to teach the rich young, man, rich young ruler about his divinity. The logic goes like this. You have identified me as good, Jesus says, and you are right to do so. I am good, but it is also true that only God is good. So therefore, if I am good, God is the only one who is good, then I am God. Therefore, rich young ruler, you better listen to me, because I am God. The point being, at the end of the day, the Scripture is true. God is the only one who is good. So those of you who have delusions of being good today, let's nip those right away. Only God is good. As it says in Psalm 136, verse 1, Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. Psalm 119, verse 68, the psalmist says, you are and do good. And I love, I think my favorite part of the sermon this morning, now that's, that's a bad thing that it's so early because then it's going to be all downhill from there, right? But my favorite part of the sermon this morning is Exodus chapter 33, verse 19. Moses is about to experience God's presence in a special way. And then listen to what it says in Exodus 33, 19. God says to Moses, I will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. I love how God's presence is expressed in terms of his goodness. They're intertwined. 
God's goodness is God's very essence. And so if His presence shows up, so will His goodness. He is pure. He is holy. He is agathos. Author Christopher J.H. Wright said it this way. He said, So then, to say that God is good means what we have just been saying above. God is generous and trustworthy without any deception or crookedness. And He is like that always, through and through, like a solid rock in his own character, and in all his actions. What a remarkable thing. It's such good news that not only is God righteous and always does what is right, but he is also good and always, always, always good. So, We have seen goodness illustrated by the creation and God himself. Next is a man named Barnabas in the New Testament. In Acts chapter 11, verse 24, Barnabas was a key figure in the early church. He was known for encouragement and especially the welcoming of Saul of Tarsus into the brotherhood of believers. And then it says of Barnabas in Acts 11, 24, for he was a good man. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and a great many people were added to the Lord. There's a whole sermon, I think, that could be preached in this one verse. It really hits the nail on the head as it equates goodness with the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Goodness with the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Barnabas, who was known for his goodness, was known for that because the Holy Spirit filled him, the very presence of God in the person of the Holy Spirit, and it came overflowing, spilling over from Barnabas into the life of others, the goodness of God in the life of Barnabas. And I love the connection between goodness in the believer and a harvest of lost souls. Look at the end of that. A great many people were added to the Lord, and so it will be when God's goodness is manifest in the church. God's goodness just as it was in the church at Rome. It's the next place where goodness is illustrated in the Scriptures. Romans chapter 15, verse 14. Listen to how the Apostle Paul describes this church. He says, I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge and able to instruct one another. And I think that's a prime and wonderful thing for us to aspire to as a church, to be known as a church that is full of goodness, which ultimately means the church at Rome and Lord willing, the church FBC Cadillac will be full of the presence of God, pure and holy. May it be so. And so that is goodness defined, illustrated. Now let's look at that third, which is goodness commanded. And this is going to be a little bit different today than the other fruits of the Spirit. Now, why do you think that is? As we look at goodness commanded, why is that going to be a little bit different than some of the other fruits of the Spirit? Well, because how can you command someone's constitution or essence? How can you command someone's constitution or essence? A tree is a good tree, or it's a bad tree, A good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. You see, in goodness, we're not talking primarily about behavior, but about character, about being, about essence. 
And so for this reason, I do think that goodness is a bit unique among the fruits of the Spirit. There is a volitional component that we'll talk more about in a few minutes, um, but it, it really is about our being or essence, the condition of our hearts. And so perhaps this reveals an area where we, we may get the proverbial cart before the horse. We tend to emphasize behavior over essence, don't we? Um, any parents ever guilty of that? If I could have a big do-over with my kids, um, I think I would go back. And, and yes, it's important for us to hold our kids accountable in the way that they behave. But I think you and I both know, if we're honest, we can get so stuck on making sure that could, kids do good, that they behave, that perhaps we neglect the heart. You know, we become all about performance more than it is about the heart. The Christian life, let's hear this loud and clear today, is not about behaving. It's not about behaving. It's not about behavior. It is about the hearts of lives of sinners which are transformed, are then filled with the Holy Spirit, and it is from the overflow of that Spirit living within them that they do good. Listen to what Billy Graham says about this. He says, The word good in the language of Scripture literally means to be like God, because He alone is the one who is perfectly good. It is one thing, however, to have ethical standards, but quite another for the Holy Spirit to produce the goodness that has its depths in the Godhead. The meaning here is more than just doing good. Goodness goes far deeper. It goes all the way down deep to our very essence or constitution, to the heart, and being pure of heart. So with this in mind, let's look at goodness practiced. And here's where there will be some volitional components. There will be some commandments, some places where um, we are expected to follow through in obedience. But how exactly do we practice goodness? The place where we begin... Number one is in recognizing that you are not good. Recognizing that you are not good. In the words of the great theologian Linda Ronstad, <laughs> and if you're younger than me, you're like, who? <laughs> From 1974, you're no good, you're no good, you're no good, baby, you're no good. I'm going to say it again. It sounds like the Apostle Paul, right? I will say it again. Um, you're no good. You're no, this made a lot of money, by the way. This is kind of how our culture is. It's a terrible blow to our self-esteem, but it's really good theology. It's really good theology. Listen to the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 7. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. If that's true of the mighty Apostle Paul, how much more is it true for me, for you? Nothing good dwells in me. The prophet Jeremiah said, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? That, <laughs> That, that whole uh, cliche, just follow your heart, terrible advice. <laughs> terrible advice. Um, our heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. 
And then even King David, the man described as being a man after God's own heart, he said of himself in Psalm 51, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Let us see very clearly that left to ourselves, we are not good. We are quite the opposite of good. We are sinful. We are deserving the very wrath of God. And so for us, the, the place for us to begin in practicing goodness is to recognize that we are not good. We are incapable of goodness on our own. And then with that reality firmly in place, number two, be born again. We don't talk much that way anymore. That was like old days church, you know, be born again. We need to get back to that. Because I think when, when we neglect the doctrine of what it is to be born again, that's when we get back into the mode of behaviorism and moralism and just trying to clean people up on the outside and get them to behave and to do the right things. And that is not the gospel. I, I, that came through loud and clear with Derek today, didn't it? I mean, the reason he didn't get baptized for a long time, afraid of failure. And guess what? He's going to have moments of failure on the other side of this baptism, just like we all do. We sin, but if we confess our sins, our God is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so we, get, we keep short accounts with God and we get right back up on the horse. We get right back up and we do it again. Jesus told Nicodemus in John chapter 3, he said, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. The gospel is about this miracle of being born again, of being made new our hearts are sinful and corrupt. We have no goodness within us, and so we need a brand new heart. We need a brand new heart. This is a miracle that we're talking about here. This is not just changing, thinking differently about God and ourselves. This is a supernatural miracle that takes place in our lives by the power of the Holy Spirit. And then when that happens... God's goodness in the person of His Holy Spirit comes to dwell in us. The same goodness that appeared before Moses when He appeared before Him, I will allow my goodness to pass before you. That comes to live inside of us. We see that played out in it before our eyes in baptism. That's the whole point of the dunking is the death of the old self and the coming up out of the waters, the resurrection to new life, new life in Jesus Christ, being born again. The old Derek Kearns is dead, but now there's a new Derek Kearns that has been raised to life, born again, born anew. Now that didn't happen today in the water. It happened previously, but we celebrate that. We recognize it through the symbolism of the baptism. This is beautifully expressed in 2 Corinthians 5.17. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And that newness includes the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and the very goodness of God himself. So, as we practice goodness, we recognize that we are not good. We are incapable of goodness on our own. We must be born again. And then number three, live out the goodness of God as empowered empowered by the Holy Spirit. As it says in Philippians 2.13, for it is God who works in you. That's awesome. God works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. 
so that all of his goodness that is resident in you in the person of the Holy Spirit will flow from you and through you to others. In Acts chapter 10, Peter was preaching and he described Jesus like this. He said, you yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and hearing all who were oppressed by the devil, healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. It was interesting. You know, this is Jesus the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity. But even He, it says right here, God the Father anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, and that's what enabled Him and empowered Him to go about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with Him. The goodness of God was with Him, and so He passed it on to others, and so it must be with us. In the Old Testament, we have the example of Daniel, a man who was known for his purity, for his goodness. Uh, Listen to Daniel chapter 6, verse 3. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. Interesting phraseology. And the the, the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Then in verse 4, then the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom, but they could find no ground or complaint or any fault because he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. That's agathos. That's God's goodness at work in the life of Daniel, and it was recognized by others. Now, there's an interesting point there as well. When the goodness of God fills you and overflows from your life into the life of others, not everybody's going to groove on that, right? Not everybody's going to think that's fantastic. It's going to rub some people the wrong way. It's that whole aroma of Christ thing. For some, it's the smell of life. It smells like fresh bread in a kitchen. For others, it's the smell of death, and they're going to be repulsed by that. Either way, it doesn't impact or influence how we are to live. We are to be good just as God is good all the time. We are to allow his goodness to come work and flow through us all the time regardless of the outcome. So goodness, agathos, refers to the character of a person or thing, that which is pure. Daniel was so good, so pure, that his enemies could not make any legitimate accusation Against him. And so, with this in mind, Galatians 6 9 tells us this. It says, Let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. So, be filled with the goodness of God and the person of the Holy Spirit and let it continually flow from us, through us, into the lives of others. Which reminds us that goodness is not a performance, but a fruit. Goodness is not a performance, but a fruit. You cannot be good. You must be made good. And then as a result, you will do good. The good tree will bear good fruit. With that in mind, let me take just a little bit of a bunny trail here for a second. It is so important that we give attention to the tree. 
to our hearts. We don't do very good with that. That takes time. That takes intentionality. We would much rather focus on the behavior, on the performance, the outward, the inward. That's, that's really hard work. But that's what this is all about. It's like we need to cultivate the soil of our hearts so that that tree becomes healthy and the good tree naturally bears good, produces good fruit. Um, give as much, give more attention to the heart as you do your outward performance, your behavior. So in the practice of goodness, recognize that you are not good. You must be born again. Live out the goodness of God as empowered by the Holy Spirit. And then number four, cling to what Scripture declares to be good. Cling to what Scripture declares to be good. Romans 12, 9 says this, Let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, and hold fast to what is good. How do we know the difference between what is evil and what is good? How do we know what good is? Well, if only God is good, Jesus said so, we know it to be true, then he alone is able to accurately determine and to communicate what is right or wrong, what is good and what is evil. And when we try in our deceitful hearts, our flesh, where there is no good within us, to determine what is good, we're in big-time trouble. And that's where we are as a society, right? For it says in Proverbs 14, 12, there is a way that seems right, to a man, but its end is the way of death. That's that whole follow your heart thing. There's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. We see this played out in the Bible time and time again, where people do what seems right instead of what is right. What seems good as opposed to what is truly good. We see it played out in our own lives. If we're writing our autobiographies, I'm sure there are many occasions where I, I did what seemed right at the time, but I didn't really consult with God or God said otherwise, and I did this anyway. And lo and behold, man, it was the way of death. It was not the right way. And we see it played out in the world. If we truly want to be good and to do good, then we must cling to what Scripture declares to be good, no matter how countercultural it is. For there is judgment coming for those who go against God's determination of what is good and what is evil. Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20. Boy, is there a more appropriate verse for our time than this? Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. And we can make a long list of ways that our world is calling evil good and good evil. Whether it's the killing of the unborn, sexual ethics, marriage, those are some of the most obvious, but we could make a long, long list of ways that that which is evil now society calls good, and that which is good society now calls evil. And we take a stand for things that it just makes, seems to make logical sense about what is right and wrong, and now that's call, it, the, 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 it's been turned upside down. Let us remember that when we are called to make stands unpopular stands, take unpopular positions, that we are not the first 
to face such opposition to godly goodness. And I, I go back to Daniel for a prime example of one who took a stand and God blessed him. It wasn't easy. It wasn't easy. But Daniel took a stand and God was with him. And his godly goodness shone brightly for all to see to the point that we're still talking about it today, aren't we? So goodness is practiced by recognizing that you are not good, by being born again, by living out the goodness of God as empowered by the Holy Spirit, and by clinging to what Scripture declares to be good. Let me close with this quote, author of a, of a book I was reading on the fruits of the Spirit, Michael Caputo. He said, Again, like all other fruits, it is a gift. It is a manifestation of God's presence in us. Therefore, we must ask for all the fruits and for agathos goodness as well. The scriptures tell us that we don't receive because we don't ask. If we ask for fruits that will help us grow and that will benefit others, we will receive them. Let's therefore add agathos to our list of requests and we will become more and more like God and Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Father, part of our frustration, I think, at times in this Christian life is we are just trying to behave. We're trying to do good without giving attention to our hearts. And it wasn't designed that way. That is the cart before the horse. And so, God, would you correct us this morning? May we give far, far more attention to the condition of our hearts and understand that in doing so, uh, your Holy Spirit will fill us and be powerful. Your Holy Spirit will be the source of power in doing good and not we in our flesh. God, come do a deep, deep work within us. Bring about purity of heart. As Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart. Make us that way, we pray. And God, for anyone who is here this morning who has seen the drama of baptism played out before their eyes and senses that your Holy Spirit is calling them to repentance this morning and to salvation, God, may today be the day that they come to know you personally, that they become new creations in Jesus Christ. We love you. We thank you that you have not left us to struggle alone, but you have come to indwell us by your Holy Spirit. May your fruit be manifest in all of its many forms in our lives, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.